0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David, and this week we are continuing our series on the magical and mystical applications of the rosary. So uh, if you haven't checked out um, the first episode in the series from last week, I would encourage you to do so as it kind of lays the context of what um, we're doing within the series. But um, at this point, we're going through the specific mysteries of the rosary and breaking them down specifically. Um, And you know, kind of more official church sanctioned function, as well as kind of expanding on how you can incorporate that in a witchy, pagan, magical sort of way. So traditionally speaking, um, the mysteries of the rosary refer to sets of prayers that reflect kind of uh, specific episodes in the life of Mary and Jesus. And it's recommended that you pray certain mysteries on certain days. So for example, the joyful mysteries um, are prayed on Mondays and Saturdays, the sorrowful mysteries are prayed on Tuesdays and Fridays, the glorious mysteries are prayed on Wednesdays and Sundays, and the luminous mysteries are prayed on Thursdays. So today we're talking about um, the joyful mysteries of the rosary. So, the purpose of them, um, and more, you know, official like Catholic teaching, is that the mysteries of the Rosary are designed to help focus our prayers on the life and ministry and passion of Jesus. Pope Pius XII described the Rosary prayer as the compendium of the entire Gospel, and there are four sets of Rosary mysteries: Joyful, Sorrowful, Glorious, and Luminous, and five parts of each mystery which correspond to the five decades. Of the rosary so today in the context of the joyful mysteries they focus on the joyful events related to the incarnation of Christ so it's recommended to be prayed on Mondays and Saturdays and again you don't have to do that but if you remember from last episode when we talked about how um, the use of repetitive prayer that have been used the same way for many people for many many years has power in and of itself So as an extension of that, praying the mysteries on the days that they correspond with is another way to tap into that more magical power. So the joyful mysteries are the annunciation of Gabriel to Mary, and this comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. The visitation of Mary to Elizabeth, found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 39 to 56 the birth of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, the presentation of Jesus in the temple found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 38, and when Jesus went missing and his parents found him in the temple, which is also from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. So I'm going to, I'm going to give an example of like a more traditional way that you could pray those um, joyful mysteries, and then I'm going to kind of explain the more mystical thought behind them that I have and how that can be applied to magical work. So one way, uh, I guess the more traditional way of doing this would be, you know, you have the Apostles' Creed, the Our Father, the Three Hail Marys, or the Three Virtues, then, you know, the Our Father again, and the Glory Be, and then you would open the the first decade by announcing it. Um, you know, the the first decade of the joyful mysteries is denunciation um of mary by gabriel and then you would just pray the hail mary but a way that i think is more helpful for me to kind of focus on the appropriate imagery is to actually kind of include the story in the prayer i will say this is a little bit more advanced because when you're trying to get in kind of like a, a rhythm of a repetitive prayer, it can be hard to remember to say the correct thing at the correct time. But once you're more comfortable with the rosary in general and feel very you know comfortable and like you have that down pretty well, then you can do this because this is by no means how I just started this out. This is something I applied later on um, after I had already been doing the rosary the right way quote for quite a while. So, and this way of doing it, it would be, you know, the same introductory prayers, but then when going to the Hail Marys, you would include the mystery in each one. So you would say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who was announced to thee by the Archangel St. Gabriel. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And then um, the second one would be, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thee among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Um, who was within thee as you visit your cousin St. Elizabeth, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen, etc. So you do that as you, through each of the decades, as you move through the, all of the joyful mysteries. And then um, to me, even though it's a little bit more complicated at first, once you get the hang of it, it is a helpful way and an easier way to kind of have uh, the focus on the particular stories of the mysteries, and that helps it be more meaningful to me. Um, but of course, like with anything else, you know, like you don't have to do it that way. That's just an example of how you could choose to do it. Now, the mystical thought behind this is actually very profound. And I think in occult spaces or witchy spaces, pagan spaces, etc., I think that the rosary is dismissed because it seems for one thing because it seems Christian because it is right. So for those of us that don't, feel comfortable with Christianity or who don't identify with Christianity at all, it can be something that just feels irrelevant to our spirituality, and that's a valid take on that, um, for sure. But uh, for those such as myself, um, I think, who have more of like a, a Catholic adjacent or a Christian adjacent kind of element to a pagan practice, it can be really helpful, because there, even if I don't literally subscribe to all of the church-sanctioned theology around these prayers, there's still benefit to be had from them because by contemplating the mysteries of the life and death of Mary and Jesus, that is a way that I can travel through those journeys myself. Um, And this is where it becomes very powerful magically. So with the first, um, with the first decade of the joyful mysteries is the annunciation. This is when the Archangel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her, you know, that, she will become um, the mother of Christ, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna read an excerpt um, of this from scripture. So, in the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, we're going to go to verse twenty six. Okay in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy the archangel gabriel was sent by god to a town of galilee called nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was joseph a descendant of david And the virgin's name was mary the angel came to her and said greetings favored one the lord is with you but she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting so the angel said to her do not be afraid for you have found favor with god listen you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and you will name him jesus He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, and will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. And look, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant with a son in her old age, although she was called barren, and she is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary said, Yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So... One thing that I think has been harmful for... I would say religion and spirituality in general, but um, Christianity and Protestant Christianity in particular is this idea that the Bible must be interpreted as being literally and historically true. Because then your understanding of it has to become so literal and so rigid that it's very difficult to apply the wisdom that is in the Bible to your life in a meaningful way. And I think in one way where Um, non-Christian religions uh, and pagan religions in particular kind of have a leg up um, on Christianity is that we understand that the power of myth comes from its spiritual and its figurative value and that those things can and are meaningful to us regardless of whether or not they are literal historical events that happened. So when we limit ourselves to viewing these things as only literal truths it really diminishes the way that they can help us out so here this is important and it's important to our spiritual life and our magical work because the annunciation is the beginning gabriel is the the messenger of god all the angels are in a way but gabriel in particular um is a very significant messenger of god his his arrival signals very profound um change in one's life. His the, the appearance of Gabriel brings profound depth and spirituality. Um, and in ceremonial magic, this is reflected in him being an angel of the waters because he brings not just messages, but significant and deep and long-lasting, impactful messages that change the course of your life after it. So immediately, we begin the power of magic here in this rosary because Archangel Gabriel is saying, expect greatness. Expect divine power to manifest in your life. You are the vessel for God in the earth. It's not just Mary. It's everyone. It's all of us. It's you and it's me and it's every person are called to birth God into the world. And that's what magic is. It's birthing God into the world. How can you birth divinity into the world around you to affect change in a positive way? Because that's what magic is. And when the archangel Gabriel is announcing this to Mary and to all of us, he's saying, you are birthing magical change into the life of yourself and of those around you. Will you do it? And then at the end of this excerpt of scripture we read, Mary says, Yes, let it happen to me as you have said. So this is an opportunity to say, not to the Christian God, not to just a Bible verse, but to magic into our own spirituality, whatever it looks like. We are saying Yes, I want these good things to happen to me. I want to birth profound supernatural change in my life and in the lives of others. Let it happen to me as you have said. That is the power of the Joyful Mysteries, and that is the power of the Annunciation in particular. Okay. The second decade of the Joyful Mysteries is the visitation of Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. So again, let's let's return to scripture. We're gonna to go to the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter and the 39th verse. And I am reading from the New English translation, but whichever one you prefer is fine. Okay. In those days, Mary got up and went hurriedly into the hill country to the town of Judah and entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the holy spirit she exclaimed with a loud voice blessed are you among women and blessed is the child in your womb and who am i that the mother of my lord should come to visit me for the instant the sound of your greeting reached my ears the baby in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that what was spoken to her by the lord would be fulfilled and this is taking us deeper it's these are not like separate, isolated instances that have no bearing on each other. Each decade of the mystery unfolds and expands upon the one that came before it. So the Archangel Gabriel introduces us to the power of this. But here with the visitation to Elizabeth, it's expanded upon. And if you don't know, Elizabeth is the cousin of the Virgin Mary. Um, so he would be Jesus' maternal aunt. And she's also the mother of St. John the Baptist. So this is a further unfolding of what has already taken place with the Archangel Gabriel. Because if Gabriel is saying, here is the opportunity to birth divinity into the world around you. Here with the visitation, what we're seeing is the recognition of that by others. That something is different. Something is special about this person. Something is special about what's happening with you. Something is special about what you're doing. It's having a tangible effect and it's creating... Um, almost a holy expectation from the people that surround you, even though it hasn't been birthed yet into reality. So as you see this, as we're looking to the joyful mysteries, it's also the manifestation of magic. It's the descent of spirit into matter and the, the result, the tangible result of magic that we work. Blessed is she who believed that was spoken to her, that it would be fulfilled. This is kind of the faking it till you make it part of magic. It's having your mind made up and deciding this is going to happen the way that I want. I am going to get that thing I want. I do have that opportunity. I have that job already. I have that money already. I have that relationship already, or whatever it is that you're working magic to get. So the depth of this, right, because we already know that we are, we are all mothers of God in our own way. This is the magical change. This is the second decade. This is The visitation, that's the power of that. Moving on to the third decade of the joyful mysteries is the birth of Jesus. And here we are going to go to the Gospel of Luke. Once again, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Now in those days decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his town to be registered. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds nearby, living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. When they saw him they related what they had been told about this child and all who heard it were astonished but mary treasured up all these words pondering them in her heart and what they might mean So the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all they had heard and seen everything was just as they had been told at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was given the name jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in his mother's womb And again, this is a deepening, this is an expansion upon the the first two decades of the joyful mysteries. In the Annunciation, Gabriel tells us that greatness is coming. And in the Visitation to St. Elizabeth, we see that there's an expectation, there's a holy preeminence, there's a holy premonition of those close to us that feel the change before it comes. And the third decade, which is the birth of Christ, is the manifestation. It's the physical birthing. It's the physical reality of all the things that we had done magic for, prayed for, hoped for, wished for. And it's people around you being positively impacted by that. It's not just getting what you want, but it's bringing goodness, genuine goodness to yourself and to others. That people can tell that there's tangible... Um, real results that affects the lives of people in a positive way and this is the the depth of that and i think you know this this is originally you know the significance of christmas right and i think in the Catholic understanding, that is. And we don't have to understand it in that literal of a way, right? If, you if you know, Jesus is relevant to your spiritual life and you celebrate his birth, that's awesome. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to discredit that or diminish that. But for those of us that do not have that uh, theological perception of things, the birth of Christ is still significant because it mirrors our magic working and bringing something to us. Um, And in some ways, it's a a completion of the journey, in a sense, because we've had the the announcement, the expectation, and then the kind of feeling energetically, uh, the change that takes place, perhaps in the astral, before it manifests in the physical, and then with the nativity of Christ, with the birth of Jesus, we have, here it is, here's the thing that we wanted this long, here's the thing that we worked for. Here's the thing that we manifested and brought from spirit into matter that we created uh, into life. This is how we become the mother of God. This is just as we are mirrored by Mary in the Annunciation, we uh, we are mirrored by Mary at the Nativity as well. We are the mother of God that birthed this magical reality into our life. So moving on to the fourth decade of the Joyful Mysteries, which is the presentation of the Lord. Um, So, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 22, and still in the uh, New English Translation. Now, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male will be set apart, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is specified in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So, this, this is interesting because it's very brief, right? This is one of the shortest um, excerpts we have read so far to correspond to the decades of the mysteries. And you're probably thinking, well, if we've already had manifestation, which is represented by uh, the birth of Jesus, then what is the point of the other two decades? What How does this um, continue the journey of spellcasting and manifestation if we already have the thing that we want? But... It specifies that jesus and mary which symbolically represent us or the people that are doing the magic they bring him to the temple because that was the custom and what this represents for us symbolically is that our magic doesn't end just because we got the result we wanted that now that we have the thing that we asked for we have a responsibility now to care for whatever it is that we were given and see it to completion. The journey doesn't end just because we got what we wanted. If you did a spell to get a job and you got the job, it's still your job to do that work to the best of your ability. If you do a spell to get um, a romantic relationship that you've been wanting and then you get it, it's your responsibility to make sure that that relationship is cared for and tended to and is healthy for both people in it. So we're not off the hook in life, um, in spiritual life and magical life, just because we got the thing we wanted. So this episode in the story is probably the most overlooked, but it's one of the most important because it shows us that, hey, there's still more to do here. You're still cultivating something. You have the thing that you want, but now you have to grow it and nurture it and take care of it. And this is another way that we are always the mother of God. That each of us is the mother of god in our lives because we are always nurturing and caring and growing for something so just in the same way that mary didn't birth jesus out in the manger and then just leave we as symbolic mothers of god in our own lives don't just get up and leave just because we got what we wanted okay we're running out of time we're gonna move on quickly so The fifth and final decade of the Joyful Mysteries of the Rosary is the finding of Jesus in the temple, and this continues uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Okay, picking up in verse 41. Now, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of the Passover. When he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. But when the feast was over, as they were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but because they assumed that he was in their group of travelers, they went a day's journey away. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the Temple of Courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard Jesus were astonished at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were overwhelmed. His mother said, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. But he replied, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Yet his parents did not understand the remark he made to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. A moment ago when I said that the birth of Jesus, that the nativity appears to be the completion of the journey, and in some ways I think you can say that it is, because it is a manifestation. But just as we learn from the presentation of Jesus, that we have a further responsibility even beyond manifestation. This is truly the end of the journey because now the result of your work, which is Jesus, has achieved as it says at the end of that uh, excerpt of scripture an increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people. This is the true result. You have had expectation, you have had the shift in the spiritual realm before its physical birth you have had the birth which is the manifestation you continue to guide and grow and nurture what you birthed, oh excuse me I dropped something you continue to guide and grow and nurture what you birthed and then the thing that you birthed is now full and fully realized and complete and powerful and that is the journey of the magic of the joyful mysteries of the rosary Hope you all enjoyed this. Um, I'm really looking forward to continuing this series with you and you can look out for the episode on the sorrowful mysteries coming next week.